Good morning. Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Welcome. Welcome to each one today. Thank you to those of you who already shared in the service, gave us some things to ponder and consider. I have um, have a message today, several things to say about it before I start. And the first thing I'm going to say is that it is an in-house message. What does that mean? That means its purpose is specifically... For the folks at Oasis. Sorry for the rest of you. <laughs> no, I trust you'll get something. I trust you won't be left out. Now, it gets even worse. It's specifically for the sisters. But I'm not going to let you guys go home. Because you do enter the picture. Now you might be a little worried. But I think when I'm done, you'll be able to say amen. I think you will. Maybe before we go on in the message, maybe we could just take a moment. If you're able, you can stand with me and we can uh, pray. Father, thank you this morning for this assembly, and thank you for your presence here with us. You have indicated, stated in your word that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst, and thank you for that. I ask a blessing on each one here today, and on anyone who is not here and perhaps is listening in, ask a blessing on them as well. Father, I pray that your spirit would be fully at work among us here today in my heart and in my flesh and body as I yield myself to you for the next hour to share the word. May the spirit of Christ dwell in me and work in me and may the spirit of Christ dwell in each of us and uh, may the kingdom be built in a small way this morning. So, Father, we just commit this time to you. And again, thank you. Thank you for the freedom to gather. Thank you for the many blessings we enjoy. Thank you for the uh, blessings of friendships and church families and and youth and those who are reaching out and, and inviting others. Father, thank you. Thank you for all assembled. Pray that there could be something for each person here today. Ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Um, Some years ago, I traveled to the Providence of Alberta 
on several occasions. Had some friends, uh, some folks up there that we're relating to in church life and spiritual matters. And and there was uh, something that uh, in the geographical area there that stood out to me somewhat at that time, but I've thought about it different points along the way. And I tried to illustrate, or I tried to actually uh, get it on paper, and I didn't do a very good job. I probably wouldn't have done a very good job if the paper would have been, uh, if it even would have printed the way I wanted it to. But my paper actually printed, my picture or the, the graphic printed a lot smaller than I wanted to, and you're not going to be able to make sense of it. But that is actually the outline of the providence of, of, of uh, Alberta. And, uh, if you could see it, that is actually laid out in uh, little squares. And in real life, those little squares are a mile square, containing 640 uh, acres. They have their entire state laid out that way in the providential uh, uh, township boundaries and borders and land divisions. Uh, if we had all the roads on yet, uh, there'd be in cities there'd be a lot of things are would be obviously majorly uh, cut up. But looking at it as a bare land illustration, it's actually a whole bunch of little squares. And and as you can see, uh, if you look at that, going as you're going north, uh, there's something happening. You're getting closer and closer. You're kind of coming together because you're headed toward the North Pole, right? So what happens when they lay out exact square pieces of land on a ball, on a globe, on, a, on, on something that is round? You can't just always keep going straight and straight and straight with all your roads because it, it just doesn't work that way. And so they have what they call correctionals. And it's about, um, as I was studying it and, and looking at it on a little bit of a larger scale, uh, the correctionals are about every four miles. So about every four of these little blocks going north, uh, there's a correctional. So it looks something like this. And when you're driving, uh, when you're there and you're driving, let me see how I can do this. So we got a, we got an east and, east and west road. And then we have these north and south boundaries, and some of them are roads, not all. And you come down here, and you have a correctional. And so every one of them is going to look like that, each of their property boundaries. And that's enough to show you. And so sometimes when you're there, uh, and some of these, uh, they don't have roads every square mile. They're, they're, uh, they... They have roads, uh, some of their county roads, some of their county roads follow, uh, okay, every so often will follow these, these boundaries. And so you're, tra- you're traveling, uh, on a county road and you'll get to one of these offsets where you just, it can go either way, but you just do a little jog and they call it a correctional. And you'll be talking about going somewhere and they'll say, well, go to the third correctional and turn right. They know exactly what it means. You know, we, uh, we American, or we, uh, we, we, uh, 
cat's back roads. We we don't know what that means, you know, our street. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we're always in the correctionals, aren't we? <laughs> so anyhow, uh so that's that's a that's an illustration of a correctional uh in the province of Alberta. The uh and I've titled today's message, and I actually titled it with a question, what is a correctional? And uh, we're going to have some conversation about that concept and some actual real, real life uh, subjects. Another illustration that I would give of a correctional, uh, we have in our, in our, uh, in our land, in our countries, in our cities, we have what they call correctional institutions. Uh, and sometimes people spend time in those correctional institutions because there's a problem that needs to be corrected. And uh, if if uh, the 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 best or the 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 best uh, in a best case scenario for a correctional institution would be that a person as they're going along in life and a problem develops that is so severe they need the correctional institution that they would have that uh, that brief length of time in the correctional institution get the problem resolved and then be back, be able to get back on the uh, on the on the straight road again but in some cases we know that there are people that actually end up living the rest of life in the correctional institution uh, that is that's the way it is <clears throat> so um, what does this have to do with us here today so we um, I'm going to be talking about uh, this this concept in brotherhood life uh, the correctional um, in brotherhood life. I have uh, I have chosen to make February's brothers meeting, which is coming up this this Wednesday. I have chosen to make it a correctional, a time where we and we'll probably do that on an annual basis. But a time where we look at some of, uh, okay, so we have, we have in our church and in our existence, in our, uh, uh, um, we have what is called a confession of faith and practice. The confession of faith defines what we believe and the practice defines how we live it out. Now the two are kind of interwoven throughout the booklet, but, um, so we are going to, in the month of February, we're going to take some time and discuss various points of practice among us. And I would like it to be a little bit like this, uh, like this correctional, where we can be traveling in church life together, and we can be, you know, we can be driving a straight road and then we come to the month of February and we have a correctional. We stop and we look at things and we have some conversation and we make some decisions and then we get back on the straight road and we run 
to the next February on those given subjects. For the most part. I mean, I, I realize that's somewhat idealistic, but not totally. I hope not. <clears throat> now, some of it will just be maintenance discussions. Some of it will probably be correctional, where we actually ask for a correction in something, where we actually ask for a change in practice in a given area. Now, here's a question I suppose you might be wondering now, why am I today targeting, I already said that I specifically have a message for for the sisters. You might be trying to figure out what in the world is he up to. Well, you know, I, uh, for me personally, for us men to sit down and discuss subjects that pertain to the ladies and make decisions on them always feels a little bit awkward. I'm just going to be frank. It does. So I'm going to try to help myself and help you um, in this message today. Today's message is an effort to involve you as sisters in the discussion, in the correctional, to be able to have an opportunity to evaluate, discuss with your husband, discuss with your dad, have an involvement and feel like you had some kind of participation in the decision that was arrived at. That's my heart. That's my going to be my effort here today. So that your thoughts can be reflected in the meeting through your husband or your dad. Scripture tells us that if a sister have a question, they're to ask their husbands at home. Today, I'm going to largely address a few subjects that we will talk about in Wednesday's meeting. And I'm going to be talking uh, um, uh, largely to you as sisters because, um, for one thing, I don't think we have the, the time, even though they did give me plenty of time this morning. Uh, we don't have the time to talk about all the subjects that might pertain to the sisters and to the men. And the other thing is, uh, the men have their subjects, and I'll probably name a few, and they have their discussions and they need to have them. Uh, and they have them from time to time, but I, today I'm trying to include you in it. Today I'm trying to uh, help you feel a part of uh, the things that pertain specifically to you. And before I go into that, I do want to give a word of commendation to you all. I am blessed with you all on your various points of practice. I know we can look around the realm of professed Anabaptist Christianity and see a huge diversion of practice. And some of it lacks modesty, some of it lacks sobriety, some of it lacks, uh, you know, many things. I look across you as a group and I am blessed and I want you to know that before I start. And I'm not saying that to flatter you or to, to, 
I simply mean it from the bottom of my heart. We're going to talk about some things uh, today. Like I said, we're going to uh, uh, consider correctional, but I want you to know that I am privileged as I, uh, I consider myself privileged to have a group of conscientious sisters uh, in this congregation. Does that mean there isn't, aren't things to consider? Certainly not, but uh, I am blessed. <clears throat> All right, the first subject we like to talk about is the Christian woman's veiling. And I invite you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll just read down through that scripture first. And I'll kind of make a few comments as we go. And then I will read our paragraph from the Confession of Faith. So we have 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, scripture that teaches us about the Christian woman's veiling. And you know, sometimes we, we wonder... Sometimes we wonder why the scripture only states, uh, gives any specific uh, reference to a this subject only once. And I don't know the answer to that. But I did think of one thing. If you recall, last week I spoke from the book of James and I said, made the statement that James was obviously addressing issues that were pertinent in his day as he wrote his book. Perhaps the matter was so well settled and defined that it wasn't something that needed to be addressed much. That's a possibility. I'm not saying it is was that way. It's just a possibility. It's a possibility that was that well defined and understood in the Christian church um, that it really needed little attention. Uh, I don't know, but we only find it for the most part in 1 Corinthians 11. All right, let's read it. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, brethren, uh, excuse me. Now, I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. And that's simply stating a, 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 a posture of of uh, authority, I, I, it is a word, but a, a, a we call it a headship order. I'm looking for another word for that, but it's it's a little bit like uh, well, we uh, we understand the, the teacher-student concept. You know, you have a teacher, you have the student. Uh, the student is subject to the teacher, at least supposed to be. You have the boss uh, on the job, and you have the. Uh, uh, Foreman and you have the employees and there's a there's an order of uh, of responsibility and an order of uh, of uh, authority. And uh, and that's what we see in this scripture. There's God who is overall. There is Christ who is under God. There is man who is under Christ and there is a woman who is under the man. Not a derogatory statement at all. Not a putting down or of lesser value, but just simply recognizing an order in God's creation and in God's purpose. 
the way God designed it and when those and designed it for our good. Brother said last night, uh, things are designed for our good. When we follow those orders and seek to uh, embrace them, life functions much better than if we don't follow those uh, guidelines God gives us. All right, reading on. Every man, verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered or uh, veiled. The uh, That scripture there, sometimes, and there are some groups that believe that the, the actual hair is the covering. Uh, that's Those scriptures, those verses that we just read there would kind of... Uh, uh, take that that concept apart a bit because it's basically saying uh, if her if but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that is even all one as if she were shaven so uh, he's he's indicating that there is a there's this uh, current situation there's this current situation and uh and uh, if she's not covered, then she really should just be shaven. So she isn't shaven. She has hair, but it's not covered. So therefore, she should be shaven. It's like as if she were shaven. So uh, the the it's indicating that there's something other than hair that he's speaking about. And and I'm not sure if you could follow my thinking there or not. But uh, it's. Uh, I don't really have time to elaborate it on a long time. And verse 6 would be the same thing. But if it, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn, uh, if, it, if, if that is shameful, if it's shameful to go over to this side and actually be shorn, then let her be veiled. Let her wear a veiling over her hair. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Uh, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also of the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such customs, neither the church of God. Uh, there's that scripture back here in verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. My center column has a statement there it says and if i would interject that statement it would read like this for this for this cause ought the woman to have a covering in sign 
that she is under the power of her husband. It's interesting that they actually stated it that way, that if she would have it, she should have a covering. So that's the scripture from 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, our, our confession of faith reads as follows. Headship covering symbolizes the acceptance of divine order. We talked about that divine order. God, uh, let me just read it on here. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man and man is the head of the woman. Even as Christ is not inferior to God, woman is not inferior to man. Christ willingly submits to the leadership and authority of God the Father. Woman should also willingly submit to the leadership and authority of the man, of man. The covering over the, the covering over the hair is a symbol for all time recognized by the angels of heaven and the devils of hell as denoting a woman under authority. There's scripture references after these things. I'm not taking the time to read those. Most of them are in 1 Corinthians where we just read. Uh, the headship covering sends a powerful message to the spirit world and the physical world. The headship covering should be worn at all times for we are always before the angels. We do not, uh, number seven, we do not have any specifics in the Bible of the form the headship veil should take. All of the following are acceptable. Flowing veils, the uh, coif <laughs> or bonnet type, and head wrap. So there's three specific ones that are noted there, three different types uh, that are noted as acceptable. The veiling, the veiling should be modest and not adorned. It should conceal the beauty, glory, and attractiveness of the sister's uncut hair, which is only for her husband. And men are not to use any symbolic covering. All right. So having looked at that um, and all those things, there's... There's probably several things that we will try to either correct a bit or just solidify or uh, continue to uh, refresh ourselves in the vision. And I know one of them that I've just came to mind now is while there's there's flowing veils, there's bonnet types and there's head wraps. One of the things that uh, I know that in the past we've pretty much made a decision to only use solid colors in veils as opposed to a, a veil that matches, matches your dress, you know, that type of thing. Um, and that, as far as I know, has not been an issue uh, among us, but is something to just be noted and remembered. Um, probably the one, the, the question where uh, that comes up is, of course, the question of how much of the hair or the head should be covered. In other words, the size of the covering. That obviously becomes a subject. Um, and it even becomes more of a subject in Tanzania, where our missionaries are. They have, uh, they have grappled with that even more than we do here. However, I, we probably should be grappling with it a little bit more than we have for their sakes. Um, because they have over there, uh, just an ex- 
an example would be they grapple with it on all fronts in Tanzania, but the the group from Zanzibar Island. Zanzibar Island is is uh, oh very very high percentage uh, Muslim, and they cover either you know how they cover almost everything, or some only have slits for the eyes. Uh, so the question comes up, and this we actually had a brothers' meeting discussion when I was there. Yeah, when we were, uh, when I was over here in, uh, November, November, December, yeah, in the latter part of November, a brothers meeting discussion and the brothers from Zanzibar brought up the question of how to, how to reconcile, how to deal with the, the questions that come from the locals about the fact that their sisters aren't covering more than they are. And, uh, and then they're, they're grappling with how to be, how to continue to be uh, um, walking in sync with their home church and still over there be doing it practically enough that it's considered a good covering in Tanzania culture. So they they grapple with that. Uh, it's it's a very real subject to know how to navigate through. And uh, understand, we're not trying to, we're not trying to copy a Muslim practice, not at all. Uh, but there again, you know, that the fact that the Muslim practices it is an indication that this practice of head covering is not has not just been an isolated thing with professing Christians. Uh, it has been a Something bigger than that, uh, more of an understood thing in, in, in the world probably in, in ages past. Anyhow, um, one of the, uh, sitting with one of the missionary, uh, families from our congregation, uh, and having some conversation, they, uh, mentioned about the fact that sometimes it's embarrassing or they're not sure how to answer the question when they have on their wall a board with a lot of photos of our families here and the way those photos are taken many times you can either not see a veiling or hardly see one you know the, the photos are straight on and and uh, and then the, the the locals look at the cross look over the board and they well, why don't they veil in america <laughs> it's a real issue um Another comment that was made was uh, uh, the question was raised whether we are actually moving over here, uh, whether we are actually uh, drifting. I guess I use that word, drifting in our veiling size and whether they're becoming smaller. It was indicated that they felt like that's a possibility from their side, but they also recognized that because they are on their side and they have been veiling larger, more fully covered in order to uh, give a better representation uh, there in the country, they recognize that their change may just make it feel different over here as they reflect back. I don't have the total answer to that. However... I'm just giving you context this morning. Context for our discussion. Uh, So, 
how do we uh, how do we reckon with the subject of covering size? You know, over there, they actually at one point tried for a brief time to just simply cover everything over from I think somewhere on the forehead here and and uh, that that was a struggle for them as well and they eventually they settled out with with something that's probably I don't know an inch or so from the front of the head it's fairly it's, it's reasonably well covered in fact last evening uh, up at Harmony I looked across the group and I saw one of the Overhauser girls twins who's been over there many years uh and still uh, veiling much like she would have over there uh, as a blessing. So, the question I have for you, uh, and at this point I'm going to ask it to you sisters, the men are the ones who are going to have, finally have to answer it on Wednesday night, but how can, we, how can we define a size that is suitable? Uh, what can we use? What for guidelines, what for perimeters do we use to... Do we get out a measuring tape and measure from here to here? And okay, that's acceptable. I'm just jarring your brains a little bit because we do need to answer the question. Uh, what can we use to give some definition? Uh, how can we communicate a clear expectation? Uh, there's... There's ditches on on both sides of the road in this matter of of expectation. One is to communicate to not communicate clearly, and no one is quite sure what is expected, and that gets frustrating for everyone. It gets frustrating for those who would like to see uh, a better representation of a head covering. It gets frustrating for those who are doing the covering because they're not sure. But then there's the other side where there's a pencil-thin line, and if you're on the one side of that line, you're good, and if you're on the other side of that line, you're bad. And that's the other extreme, you know. Okay, so it has to be like this and like this and like this. And if you're not there, you're, you're not there. You're not abiding by the standard. So, those are the extremes. But I would like to invite some conversation from you with your husbands on how and what we can say that will uh, communicate clearly and acceptably what uh, what is an acceptable uh, veiling. How far front should it be? How much of the hair should be covered? So think about that. Have some conversation with your uh, husbands and and you men. You're going to have to dig out some answers because we do want some answers Wednesday night. Uh, another uh, aspect that I'd like to Of the veiling that I'd like to just call our attention to very briefly. And that pertains to the, the tied veil rather than the hanging veil. And the tied veil has always been acceptable. Still is. Uh, the question in, that comes up is the, 
the tightness in which it is worn some, as opposed to being more loosely fitted. Um, I would like to present the question as to whether it would be okay as brothers to ask our sisters to perhaps wear them more loosely fitted rather than tight as availing like we do most of the rest of garments more loosely rather than tight. So that's a subject that we will brief on as well regarding the veiling. So, I'll leave you with that on the subject of the veiling. You can have your conversations and we'll, uh, I'm looking forward to a profitable uh, brothers meeting Wednesday night. Okay, let's move on. I'd like to talk a little bit about the subject of modest attire. Uh, and again, I'll read a couple of scriptures and then I'll, uh, I'll read uh, from the Confession of Faith. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, first scripture that we'll look at, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or perils or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Goes on and gives some other uh, instruction to women. Uh, just obviously noting women adorn themselves with modest apparel, uh, shamefacedness, sobriety, not with braided hair, gold, pearls or costly array. And then we have First Peter 3, First Peter 3, verse 3, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of of a meek, quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. So we have several scriptures there that speak much the same, talking about uh, our adornment. to not be adorning ourselves outwardly, uh, not dressing to be pretty, not dressing to be, uh, yeah, you know, you know the concept, but to rather be adorning ourselves inwardly, the person of the heart. Uh, okay, so then our, our confession of faith, Christian appearance, it's uh, Article 14 in our confession of faith. Because God gave the first durable clothing, we seek guidance from his word on the subject. We read a few scriptures here already. Uh, A, clothing for brothers and sisters will be modest, covering and hiding the human form. And that that sums it up, really, covering and hiding the human form. Clothing and personal appearance will clearly distinguish between men and women. Uh, C, clothing will be simple, 
free of pride and ornamentation. Uh, D, as believers, we will not wear golds, pearls, costly array. Uh, We believe outward adorning detracts from the inner beauty of Christ. Um, It gives a a reference in in Revelation and talks about the harlot and the the rich man and the, the way they were dressed. E, we do not follow the changing fads and fashions of the world, for they are vanity. Uh, F, brothers will be free from the shame of long hair. Sisters will be glad for their uncut hair. Sisters will conceal their glory hair under a veiling. Brings a little bit of that in here on the modest tire side. If we, or G, as we choose godly clothing, we need to ask, number one, is it durable? Number two, does it hide my body well? Number three, is it economical? And number four, does it appear neat and simple? So what are some things we should consider here? And uh, again, uh, some of there's probably there's probably a few things that we should uh, consider. And uh, we could should consider correction. On a few things, probably. But then there's other things we should just discuss for the sake of remembering. Remembering uh, what, uh, what we've uh, appreciated and, and, and asked for in the past. One of the things, of course, that comes up is fabric choices. You know, you all have... Opportunities to choose fabrics, don't you? Uh, and there, there's probably, I'd like to uh, illustrate a little bit here. I uh, was thinking about an, needing an illustration and searching around to see if I could find something. And I knew my wife had uh, been making comforts lately and she probably didn't leave a scrap of fabric in the house. <laughs> And then I was out in my study this morning. I looked in the basement. There was nothing around there. And I was out in my study and I discovered something. And I don't know who made this. uh, But it is perfect for the illustration. Uh, It's a little old bag. But it just was exactly what I needed. I hate trying to say something about something, uh, especially on this subject. If an illustration is worth a thousand words and helps me out a lot. So, talking about fabric choices, there's probably room for correction for some of you here. Um, for some of you who are accustomed to occasionally wearing larger or bolder prints, there's probably room for you to move toward choices that are finer and more subdued. And I have this here, and I think it illustrates it perfectly. That's a large print, uh, large... Uh, I hope no one has a dress like this on today. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> uh, uh, anyhow, <laughs> but it illustrates it perfectly. Then you have the other side, which is much more subdued. Uh, the, 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 the print is smaller. The objects are smaller. The colors blend more, a little bit more, as opposed to being uh, large and, and showy and, and so on. Uh, and so... Um, I'm going to suggest to, to us that there is room 
for some uh, correction here. Uh, I don't say that critically or zeroing in on anyone, but just something to consider. And I have, uh, even for myself, have guided my household in this just a bit uh, in recent times. Um, so let's just say that we let's just call these X's various fabric choices that you have in your possession. Uh, just a number of different ones uh, ranging from. From the simple plane uh, out to the uh, the the larger print, the larger, bolder, brighter, whatever. Uh, I would like to suggest to 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 some of you, as you consider, and, and you know, if you're if you're not sure, ask your dad, ask your husband, ask your you know, ask your pastor's wives. I'll put them on the spot. Uh, for guidance, I, I'm not going to go beyond this. Uh, uh, the, the 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 uh, finer details of this, you ladies will have to figure out. But uh, I'm giving you some some things to think about. I'm going to suggest this. There's some of you who probably will need to should, and we're going to probably ask for some correctional. And you might go like that, and you might uh, move either move some of those on that are out there on the farther uh, closer to this type of thing. You might move them on. Uh, either to the uh, reuse it or the garbage pail, whichever you choose, or to every day. Uh, I'm going to be practical here. Uh, you might, uh, uh, yeah, you might just uh, graduate a few of those to 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 use to clean the basement or whatever, and uh, uh, more everyday purposes, and choose a few more on this side of the scope. Uh, I'm just trying to be practical, trying to be uh, reasonable. But uh, and, and I'd like to, yeah, I'd like you to be part of that discussion because um, we will have that discussion on Wednesday night. And uh, I uh, I suggest that there is there's room for that among us. So I uh, want to give you that uh, encouragement. Find my place. <clears throat> so yes, and the question is obviously the question is are you are you willing to do that? Are you willing to look at that? Are you willing to uh, have a brief correctional look at a few things, make some adjustments, and then get back on the road again? Some other things that pertain to clothing, um, we've always, and, and again, this is just for the sake of a reminder. It's not been a problem, but we've always uh, uh, discouraged, or not not really discouraged. We've always asked that skirt and blouses are not a part of our wardrobes, uh, simply because we don't feel they are generally as modest as we would like to see. Um, and then there's the subject of, uh, I call them shirts on top of dresses. I don't know what you all call them. Uh, maybe they're called blouses too. Uh, we've discouraged that as well over the years. Uh, it gives a skirt and blouse look. And generally those shirts are actually not that modest. 
generally not. Some are, but generally not. Uh, we've rather encouraged uh, a sweater, a, 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 a decent, modest sweater, or uh, I know there's those that wear vest dresses or different types of vests that are that are uh, generally modest. So there's other options, in other words, for those things that... Uh, so those are things that... Uh, not necessarily a correction, but things to be reminded of, things to uh, have conversation about so that, uh, and put it this way, I would, I would much rather have the conversation when it's not a problem than wait till it is a problem. And uh, that is my heart. Uh, another thing that has been uh, a subject in the past, I think it goes back a little ways, but it uh, was in Oasis days, we had a subject about shoes worn in church. Uh, in general, we have discouraged wearing, and it's a good time to do it in the winter when there's a little bit of snow out there. We have discouraged wearing flip-flops and, and even sandals to church or church events and so on. Um, rather encourage wearing shoes to uh, church events and so forth. So that is, uh, in a quick summary, that is some of the some of the few subjects that we will talk about a little bit in brothers meeting uh, for you sisters. I suspect there could be a few more thoughts come up. And in fact, if you have something that you feel sh- uh, we as brothers should be considering, pass it on to your husband, to your pastor, to your whatever, whoever you relate to, uh, your dad. Um Lord willing, we will try to have that discussion and we will try to have it in February and we will try to not park in the correctional all year long. But have the correctional and then move on. For the men, it'll be, uh, I mean, there's things for the men to consider. Modest attire is a subject for them, probably not as uh, in the same way as it is for you ladies. Uh, designer clothes probably come up more as a subject because we men tend to buy uh, we buy our clothes rather than make them. Uh, Western wear can be a subject for men. Uh, Western wear shirts and boots and all those kind of things, jeans, uh, Western style. Um, things that can pertain to the men that are healthy to look at, I believe, are spending habits and how we're spending our money and, and uh, whether we're uh, as conscientious today as we were a year ago or two years ago or early on in our Christian faith as, you know, uh, now that our our uh, debt is mostly paid and we have a little more elbow room, are we still as conscientious as we were before in our spending and in our, uh, yeah, in our choices? Do they reflect our conservative faith and values? <clears throat> so those are just uh, kind of a quick rundown for you as men, things that... Uh, we can consider, and we'll be more specific with that. So in summing it up here, again, I'd like to just, um, I'd just like to say that, or I'd like to raise this question. What does it take for a correctional to be effective? Uh, so if if we avoid and ignore the correctional when we're on the road, then we're, 
we're doing this thing. <laughs> we're trying to drive where we're, there's not a lot of support to drive. <laughs> what does it take for a correction that will be effective? And I think we know the answer. Uh, obviously, the answer is to to follow the correctional, to heed it, to embrace it, to, uh, yeah, make it a part of our lives. If we don't, uh, that's where it then becomes very possible that we spend way too much time in the correctional. Way too much time haggling with subjects that should have been settled and taken care of. Uh, so we all play a part in it. We all have a, have a part in, in uh, making that work and making it work uh, beautifully uh, because uh, that would be a tremendous blessing if we could uh, just from year to year, address some of these subjects and not have to even hardly worry much about them in between. That would be a real blessing. <clears throat> all right. I think that is all I have for you this morning. Um, I hope I was able to bring you along. I hope you feel like uh, you are valued and are going to be part of the discussion and part of the conclusion. Even though you're not going to be there on Wednesday night and give your voice, you have the opportunity to give it uh, to your, like I said. And uh, my goal has been to involve you in those choices, in those discussions, in those decisions. Those that are able, let's kneel together and we will pray. Heavenly Father, we come again to the close of this service, close of the message here. Thank you. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you again for the word and the uh, practical instruction it gives us in various areas, many areas of life, in all of life, really. Father, thank you. Thank you for the subjects we were able to look at this morning. I pray that you would bless each one present here today. I pray that uh, we could all grow together in these things. We could pull together. We could embrace uh, decisions that are made as brothers regarding practical subjects. And we could uh, uh, run together and uh, be effective in our uh, community witness, Lord, as a body, as a group, as a church body. So, Father, bless us. Bless each one here today. And again, those that weren't able to be here, bless them. Strengthen them. Meet their needs as well. And, Father, keep us keep us from the enemy of our souls. We know that uh, there is an enemy. He desires to sow discord. He desires to uh, create... Uh, difficulties in our lives and turn us away from the faith and from faith in Christ and all many things like that. We pray protect us from his onslaughts, from his uh, tactics and help us to run. Thank you, Father. Thank you again for this body. Continue to build it, Lord, according to your purpose and your will. We thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen.